Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Howdy, everyone. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We're so happy that you're here in the middle of summer. Look at you doing scriptures in summer, you champion. (laughs) (laughs) We're so happy you're here. If this is your first time, we move through the scriptures every week doing a little chunk at a time. We follow the Come Follow Me schedule and we kind of talk about things in those verses that we think you don't want to miss. Clever. Yeah. This year, we have this timeline, if you don't know about it. If you do, you're sad that we keep showing it to you, but it's fine. Um, I lost my piece of tape, so I'm just grabbing one right here as we record. But actually, move that a little bit closer to the camera, and you can get a good look at... Is it going to work? Y'all, in the newsletter, we are going to put a picture of the timeline up to date. Because you really want to know what's happening now. So if you've never even used the timeline, this is a good week to start the timeline. And you're, and we'll put a picture in the newsletter for this week. So watch for that. Go back and look at that so that you can see. I just put on Elisha with an SH. Last week was Elijah with a J into spot number 28. That's, we only have one today. That's the sticker that, that goes in. And remember where we're at right now is the kingdom split after King Solomon into two different kingdoms, Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom. And the books of Kings and Chronicles will follow the storyline of the kings of the Northern Kingdom and the kings of the Southern Kingdom. Chronicles mostly focuses on the Southern Kingdom kings. Kings and Second Kings focus on both of them throughout, and it's going to jump back and forth. Um, these kings and kingdoms are who all the prophets that you're going to stick on (laughs) all throughout here. Don't worry that you think we forgot about these guys and this guy. And pretty soon you're going to think we forgot about all these guys. But this is going to be where the repeat starts coming. So we're going to finish all the way through the history. And then we're going to actually start over again and fill in a whole bunch of things. So the timeline is about to get super fun right now. Yeah. So we put Elisha today because last week we started doing this. Elijah is one of the prophets who comes to the kings of the northern kingdom. And so does Elisha. So the stories that we're focused on today are the stories of the prophet Elisha being sent to the kings and the people of the northern kingdom to try and bring them back to the ways of the Lord. So that's where we're at. Again, that picture of the updated. So if you're a couple behind, we were on vacation. So we had to update ours um, yesterday. We do our little, whatever it's called, come follow me time Sundays after church. Yes. And um, we had to fill in the timeline to catch ourselves up from being out of town. But I think it's so fun before we even start on the journal pages to go backwards for just a second to that okay. story that we loved with the little cake. Remember the little cake? Yes. Um, and you remember when Elijah was on the top of the mountain and he just kept saying to the Lord, I, even I only am left. And he's so discouraged. Remember, 
He had to have that little cake because he didn't even have enough strength to go forward. And when the Lord comes, he says to Elijah, you have to go back. I have jobs for you to do. He's going to give him an assignment. But there's also this really cute moment at the end of that chapter when he also is like, I'm going to give you a friend. I'm going to give you a companion to be with you. And that's where we start today. Yeah. We're going to meet the friend. Yeah. And he not only gave him a friend, he gave him a friend with almost the same name. (laughs) So (laughs) if you can't ever remember whose story is who, there's two reasons why. Number one, their stories are super similar to each other. And I think whoever is writing the book of Kings is doing that on purpose because one of their intentions is to show you this idea of it doesn't matter the man, it's the power of God and the mantle that they hold, that that's where the miracles are are happening. Um, And the second reason you get them confused is because their name is so similar. So my trick is I just mumble the name and no one knows whether you said Elijah or Elijah. See, you didn't even know based off of what I did right there. So you have Elijah and there is this really cool group of people you will see in the background, by the way, they're called the sons of the prophets. And it is this group and there's um, some research that's been done by Latter-day Saint scholars on, on this group that you might be interested in Googling and finding, but it's just this group of faithful who kind of follow around um, the prophets everywhere. And they're sort of in the background a little bit. And Elisha with SH is one of those. And he's sort of a mentee. Is that the right word? Probably. A mentor and a mentee. mentee. Yeah. Makes me think of that, oh, that whale yeah. thing <laughs> or whatever. Not a whale, but a, a chubby mentee. dolphin. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I thought you were going to say the mentee thing where a million words come oh, up on the board. Oh, no. Um, we do need a new word. I was thinking, right. yeah. A so. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening today, everyone. Yeah. We don't know. So there's Elisha, the manatee, okay? <laughs> so Elijah, the prophet, and he has this um, mentee or whatever, um, a follower, uh, a student of his. A disciple. A disciple whose name is Elisha. And he's followed him around. And if you look, we have in the journal this list of miracles of Elijah that's right here. And we just assume as we read that Elisha was um, privy to those stories, Um watched what happened or heard the stories afterwards of, of what went on. And you get into second Kings, um, chapter two, and this is a, this is a chapter where we get that phrase that we use in the church. Sometimes the mantle, um, Mm -hmm. a mantle is a coat and, um, it's also a thing on the fireplace, but in this chapter, it's a coat (laughs) or a covering or a cloak. Yeah. A cloak of, and, and what you're going to watch happen is Elijah pass this mantle on to, Elisha. And it's just a symbol. It's a symbol of, I'm almost passing the baton. The power of God is now resting upon you to do the work that you've been called to do now. So there's this chapter two where this transition is going to happen, but there's something that's really neat before that transition happens at the beginning, which is why we chose Elisha to be one of our heroes. So Mm -hmm. he's hero number one. And it happens three times at the beginning of the chapter. And it says, Elijah says, verse two, to Elisha, stay here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth. That's um, covenant language. Anytime you see as the Lord liveth and as I live, um, I will not leave you. 
So they went together to Bethel. It's so Bethel. cute. So they went. Right. You just yeah. love that part so much. Then in verse 4, and we don't know why Elijah's trying to get Elijah to stay behind. I, there's no reason that's given here. I wonder if he just doesn't want to like take advantage of his new friend. If yeah, he's just maybe like, so. He's I don't want to wear like, you out at the get-go. So stay I, I can do this one by myself. Yeah. But for, again, he says, I have to go to Jericho now. And Elisha responds, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. That phrase means, by the way, as long as God is alive and you are alive, I'm not leaving you. That's the only, that's the only way I would stop following you is if one of the two of you cease to exist. Um, and so and together they, they again, came they to Jericho. To Jericho. And six, Elijah says, stay here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And again, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on together. It's the cutest part of the whole story. It really is. And we have chosen Elisha to be a hero. And the phrase that goes with him is that phrase, I will not leave thee. Um, there is something about that loyal companionship, that loyal friendship, that whatever it is that you experience in all these places. And Elijah, you know, has his ups and downs. And so will Elisha. But his promise is, I am not going to leave you no matter what. And those words just echo of the Lord. Those are the Lord's words, right? Those are the Lord's promises. Here's Elisha trying to live as the Lord taught him to live. Because if there's any, no one more loyal than God in our stories and I, I love that language. And you love I'm that Elisha loves Elijah so much. Like you can tell he just honors him and everything that he's done because it's so cute when Elijah is gonna leave and he says to Elisha, what can I do for you? And I love when he says, uh, before I get taken away from you and Elisha says, I pray thee, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Who loves that he's like, I just want to be everything you have been and better. Yeah. Like, I, I just can't even imagine doing it any other way except for the way you taught me. But I will try and be even better yeah. at it. And it's just so cute. It just makes you think he respected him so much because he just was like, I just want to be just like you. Right. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And there's another level here of loyalty, which I think is interesting. And that's... Um, Elijah is not only his friend and mentor, but he's also the Lord's anointed mm. at the time. And there's something uh, about that kind of loyalty that's another level to the story is where he says, I- I'm going to be loyal to you. Uh, and and uh, again, you see the humanity of um, leadership yeah. in these stories where you imagine to yourself that there are times when um, currently the you know, the president of the church is President Nelson, that he has his juniper tree moments where he collapses mm. and says, I feel like I'm doing this all by myself. And and there's something to someone coming and saying, I'm not going to leave you. Like, whatever it is the Lord tells you to teach, I'm going to be loyal to you. Yeah. Whatever he asks us all to do together, I'm going to be loyal to it. You can know that in me, you have a faithful, loyal companion. And and so that's really sweet. And then this story happens where um, Elijah takes that mantle in verse 8 and he smacks the rivers of the Jordan River with it. Uh, the rivers, the water in the Jordan River and it opens up and the two of them go together on dry land to the other side. Then a chariot of fire comes down, takes up Elijah up into the heavens and the 
The coat falls off of him as he goes and Elisha picks it up. And then he goes to the Jordan River and smacks the Jordan River and it opens up and he repeats that same miracle that that happened there. Again, as that symbol of, oh, it's this is the symbol of the authority and power of God that's now passed from one Mm -hmm. to another. And it wasn't the man who was doing it. It was God who was doing it through you know, this through the, you know, through the mantle that happens. And then what's cool is if you read their stories and we gave you some verses here in the journal where you can compare their stories together, where Elijah performed this miracle and you see Elisha perform a really similar one to it. If you count them up, it's neat because Elisha actually performs double the amount of miracles that Elijah performs, at least the way it was recorded mm. to kind of show the he did portion. receive that double portion. Oh, that's so that awesome. That was, was there. Now, the rest of these stories, one, two, three, four at the bottom, are the stories of... Our four uh, other heroes. Yeah, four other heroes. And but, his... Right, his stories, right? The his people, miracles. His miracles. That's what I was trying to, to say right there. That thing wanted to be sideways for a second on my phone. Okay, the first one we're going to look at is in 2 Kings chapter 4. So let's do Elisha... Um, if that's our first hero and the thing you want to take from him is I will not leave thee. We just love that that is the characteristic of him as a hero. Yeah. Okay. Hero number two is um, this woman that we're calling uh, the woman who pours out. Oh, we love her so much. You're going to love all the heroes today. Yeah. And you wanted her to have a name, but we don't. We want this to be her name. It reminds you of uh, the woman who loved much where you're just like, yeah. wait, that's but, what I want to be known as. And also the wise woman of the city and also the great woman. Um, if you're my personality, you want to collect all the unnamed women of scripture. I think I've said this before because I don't know why, but it's so much easier to put yourself into the story of a woman who doesn't have a name. And so like I look at my story and I'm like, oh, I have been the wise woman in the city and I have been the great woman. And I bet there are so many of you who are gonna say, oh, I have been the woman who poured out. Like you just listen to David tell you the story and I think you'll say, oh, I've been that woman. I love that woman. So there is this certain woman could be anybody. And she's one of the wives of the sons of the prophets, those followers of people. But her husband, you find out in verse one, I'm in chapter four, second Kings chapter four, her husband has died. And so she comes to Elisha and interestingly, she sort of like lays out uh, almost like, uh, it seems like the reasoning f- f- why she should get a miracle. She's like, my husband was so faithful and so good. <laughs> Remember that as I tell you what I'm about to tell you. And then you'll find out Um, that the Lord didn't need her accolades, you know, for this miracle. Um, But she said, um, but he has died and now a creditor has come to take my two sons. So we are in so much debt and so much trouble and we're behind so far in all of our payments that the creditors are actually going to come and take my sons and make them servants in order to pay off these debts. And Elisha asks, well, what would you like me to do? Oh, I just love that question so right, much. Right, right. Um, and, and you love the, the, the idea of, because whatever I can, I will. And then his second question is mm-hmm. even better. And he says, what do you have in the house? Tell me what you actually have. You've just told me about everything that you've lost. Now that you thought was really valuable. Now tell me what you have in the house that you've maybe overlooked. So tell me what you have right now that you maybe thought wasn't valuable. Um, And she goes in and she says, well, I don't have anything except this pot of oil. And that's it. And then he says in verse three, go borrow vessels abroad of all your neighbors. 
And then he says, not just any vessels, I want them to be empty vessels and borrow not a few. I love that line Right, too. go to all of your neighbors and borrow empty vessels from them. Um, and there's something that's really interesting about this. On one end, it's kind of like, I don't wanna go to my neighbors because I don't want them to know. You know, I know they're already talking about our financial situation. And now I have to knock on their doors and say, hey, can I borrow something from you? Um, now they know the story. Now they know that I'm in, in need. But what's interesting is she's going to go borrow empty vessels from all of her neighbors. And so I think she's assuming wrong that they're going to like, oh, look at her and say like, you know, mm-hmm. But they all know emptiness. There's something about that story yeah. that it's a community who knows emptiness that's going to rally around this woman. And they're all going to give her these empty vessels. And she and he says, when you go in, shut the door, and I want you to pour out into all those vessels and then set aside the things that are full. So she did. Her sons and she, they went and knocked on all the doors, and they brought the vessels empty. And then in verse 5, it says, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me another one. And he said, there isn't anymore. And, and she just fills every single one of those vessels and then has enough now to sell. Elisha says, go sell those and pay off all your debts. And then, and then he says, now you also have enough to live off of, you know, now for the rest of your life. Um, but it's awesome that idea that um, it was emptiness that the Lord needed. She came in initially with accolades and this is what the Lord actually needed was emptiness from her, which is really, there's something really powerful mm-hmm. about that. That is like, she will be filled because she was first empty, right? And there's something really neat. Another really neat th- part about that lesson to me is that the Lord says, okay, what do you have? And let me take what you have because the Lord you throughout scripture uses whatever mm-hmm. you, you have two fish and five loaves. Okay. Bring that to me, whatever it is that yeah. you have. And what she says, what I have is emptiness. And he says, perfect. I, I can, can work actually with work with that. In fact, I do my best work with things that are, are empty. And, and she takes whatever it is she has and she pours out. And the other thing that I love about this story as a mother is, and I'm sure there's so many of you who can relate to this, that there are times when I was raising my kids when I was empty. Like I was like, I can remember walking into my room in midnight hours and getting in bed and thinking, I cannot wake up and do this again tomorrow. I am like used up and worn out, and I don't think I have anything left to give. And I love that um, when the prophet says to her, go into your own house and shut the doors with your boys, and I just want you to pour out there. And I look back at my life and I think of everything that I've accomplished in my entire lifetime, my greatest work has been in the walls of my own home. And people don't even know the great work that has happened here. Um, The late night conversations, the tears, the pouring out that has happened. But if I were to list our greatest miracles, 
They came in this house and I was witness to all of them. Yeah. And I love that thought that sometimes in a world where we look at those accolades like you're talking about and we look at how many people are living outside with social media and with everything that happens and all the things going on that sometimes we forget that counsel. Go in your house, shut the door and pour out. And sometimes that's where the sweetest miracles are going to happen. That's where the Lord's greatest work is going to be done. And we're all going to have those empty midnight moments. Yeah. But we're also all going to have those moments of pouring out. And what pours out is what we were set apart to do. It's what we were anointed as mothers to do. That That's our call. I was in a um, meeting yesterday and we were with a lot of the leadership within our our faith community that is right here was in that room and talking. And there was a moment when um, this man said, would all of the women stand up? And we kind of all looked at each other because it wasn't like a, like you were like, well, this is weird. And, <laughs> and he said, I'm, I know I'm deviating, but I feel like it's really important right now for all of the women in this room to stand up. And it was... Um, but some of my daughters and daughter-in-laws were in that room and it, it was like just random people. They weren't all even from my faith community. And then um, he just said this, he just paused for a minute and then he said, you are his chosen. And then he just stopped for a minute. And then he said, you need to remember that. And then he just it was over. He walked out of the room. There was no like lesson mm. or anything else. It just was like, I, I need to deviate for a minute and just say, and I love that thought that it, it's almost as if Elisha was like, hey, let me remind you who you are. You are his chosen. You have been set apart and anointed for a great work that is going to happen in the walls of your own home. And don't underestimate that privilege or that purpose. Yeah, and especially because she, the very first thing she goes with is says, remember my husband was so good yes. and he was this and this and this. And it was like, no, 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 this is going to be your lesson actually. Yeah. And um, and that's just a, a you know a side lesson of, of what it is, yeah. but really, really powerful and important. But I just love what you were saying just about that idea of, you know, when you feel empty, you almost like, I have nothing else to give. And the lesson is pour out in those moments, mm -hmm. you know, and you'll, and something will come, Yes, you know, from empty places. Yes. Right. So good. Okay. The second hero is also a woman. We've alluded to her a couple times. Her name is the great woman. Um, a great woman. This is one of my favorite stories in the book of second Kings. And again, I love that we don't know her name because I think we can all find a place in her story. So what happens is Elisha comes through Shunem regularly. And as often as he passes by, she invites him in to eat bread. Just every time she sees him, she's like, oh, why don't you come in for a minute and eat bread? And so he does as often as he passes by. And so one day she says to her husband, behold, I perceive this is a holy man of God that is coming by us continually. So 
let's make him a little chamber on the wall. Who loves that it's not even in a room? She's like, uh, nobody's using that wall right there. Uh, let's bring out a little bed and a table and a candlestick and a stool. And then when he stops by, he could just, he could like be on the wall. Yeah. You know? He'd have his own little spot. Yeah, he'd have his own spot. And it fell on a day. It says that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and he lay there. And I, I just love this, first of all, that she's like, what do I have that I could use? So similar mm-hmm. to the story we just saw. Um, I have, let's see, I have an extra bed, a table, a candlestick, and a stool. Like in my house, I want to be like, I have stuff like that. Um, so should I invite President Nelson over? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, that we just well, remember like, when you were going to use your ping pong table as a bed when you yes. had all those people living yes. here? Yes, I do. So see, it's just like that. Yeah, You've already like done that. it. I already did it. Um, so um, he gets there and he's laying in his bed and he calls his servant who's with him and he says, listen, uh, call this Shunammite, Shunammite woman and have her come in here. Um, because I love when he says this, um, behold, you have taken care for us with all this care. So what should be done for you? Don't you love that he's just laying on the bed and he's like, listen, she got me the stool and this candle and this table and also this bed. And she feeds me all the time. And she's taking such care of us with all this care. Yeah. What should we do for her? And then she answers something that in your mind, you're like, I have no idea what just happened there. Cause she says this. He says, do you want me to speak of you to the king or to the captain of the host? And she says, I dwell among mine own people. And then that's the end of the conversation. And you're like, what just happened there? But in our language today, it would have been like this. You have taken care of us with so much care. What can we do for you? Right? He's like, we're going to recommend you to someone, to the king or to the, like the captain of the host. And then she was like, oh, no, I don't, I'm happy where I am. I don't need anything. Uh, This is just what I like to do. Hmm. I like to make spaces on the wall for people. And um, so she leaves and he says to his servant, really what should be done for her? And one of my favorite parts about this lesson and the part that I want you to hold on to before we go to the next part, which is so awesome, is she just wanted to remain anonymous. Like she was happy to serve quietly. And in fact, she really was so happy that we don't even know her name to this day. Mm. We have no idea who she is. And I love that what we see in her is this willingness to just give what she had every day. As often as someone passed by, that just was like her nature. Mm-hmm. That's just who she was. Right. But then he says, okay, wh- what could we do? And Which there's a little, even a little small little lesson right there that I like because this it's almost become cliche to make fun of someone asking, what can I do for you, yes. right? Yeah. Within our faith yes. community where it's like nothing. And that's yes. going to be the answer every time. And I really like that Elisha is like, okay. And then he goes to the servant who knows more of the story. And he's like, okay, but what do you, like, what have you seen? Yeah, what, what do you think you, we could do? What do you think we could do for her? It reminds me of that one time when Jenny was visiting, teaching somebody or whatever we call it now, ministering somebody mm-hmm. and um, asked like, what can I do to kind of help out and stuff like that? Nothing. I'm fine. So Jenny went and stalked her Pinterest boards to find out like what she liked. <laughs> <That's so cute. laughs> you know, that she just like, oh, I'm just going to take her yes. something that she's like pinned that yes. she really likes. Or oh, whatever. that so, is so cute. Anyway, it's cute that Elisha didn't give up. Yeah. And he's like, no, I, what could we do? I've learned from you 
to just be kind to people. So yeah. I want to be kind back. Yeah. And so the servant says, well, he, he she has no child and she's getting old. And um, so he says, oh, okay, call her back, he says. And when he had called her, she stood again in the door. And he said, okay, who loves this too? When she just comes back to the door like... What, what do you, she need some bread or what do you need? And then he's like, this would, this had to be like an open your mouth wide moment. Um, about this season, according to the time of life, next year, you will have a son. Can you imagine? Yeah. She's like, that was <laughs> unanticipated. That's better than a Pinterest board. Yeah. It is. Um, so she did. She conceived and she bare a son at that season that Elijah said she would, according to the time of life. And then what happens is this. Our good friend loves to tell us to watch these words, and it came on a day. It fell on so a day. It, and it fell on a day. So it fell on a day the first time when she decided to make this little house on the wall. And the second time, it fell on a day um, that the boy went out to his father in the Reapers. And I just think to myself, here is this cute mom who's probably prayed her entire life for a baby. Mm-hmm. And now who has this little boy? And he goes out. And then he um, says to his dad, something is wrong with my head. And so he says, listen, take him back to his mom. And so he takes the boy back and she holds him on her knees. She just holds him and rocks him and tells us until about noon. And then he died. And if you're me, you're like, what? Yeah. What is happening right now? This baby she prayed for, the miracle that she got, like everything that was supposed to be good in her life is gone. And so she goes up and lays him on the bed of the man of God. She's like, I'm just going to put you right here. And she says to one of the servants, go get me a horse that I can run to the man of God and I will be right back. And he says, you can't go right now. It's not a new moon or the Sabbath. And she says to him, it shall be well. So she gets this horse and she says to her servant, drive forward and don't slack in your riding unless I bid you. Otherwise, just go. Don't even worry about me. So they take off. She is flying on this horse and carriage and they come to Mount Carmel and the man of God sees her afar off. And he says to the servant, there's that woman. Run now, I pray you to her and say, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? He knows something isn't right. And I love that he runs up to her and says those things. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And then in 2 Kings 4, 26, this is her answer. It is well. And I, I, I do this every time. What? Like this whole story, I'm like, what is happening? It is not well. All is not well right now. The boy is laying on the bed at home. And um, so she comes to the man of God and she tells him um, this whole conversation in 28. Did I not desire a son? And did I not say, do not deceive me? And then, and she tells him this whole thing and you can tell. And, and he gets up and he goes um, with her all the way back to that place. And he, um, in verse 34, he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then she went in in verse 37 and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. And 
This is what I love about this woman. Somehow she had come to love that prophet long before when she just offered him bread, before she even offered him a bed on the wall or anything. She had come to love the prophet. And I love that in the moment when all was not well, in that moment when she's like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, you know? And she takes off and she's like, don't stop, don't rest for me, just go. And it's not until the moment when she sees the prophet that she's like, okay, it's going to be okay. Mm. It is well now because I'm with you. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know it is well in this moment. And we love, in my mind, that is what makes her a hero is that her trust is sufficient that no matter what is happening in her life, it's going to be okay. That's what she knows. But the word we chose for our word a week posters this week is that thought. It is well. Um, from that, run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, is it well with thee? And she answered, it is well. And you're going to have to read what does, um, what does that mean in Hebrew? Yeah, the Hebrew word is a word that you already know. You may have heard of it before. It is shalom. It's, uh, it's what people say to say hello. If you ever go visit Israel or something like that, you know, or just everything. It's like, the, it's like their word. And here's different ways you could translate it. Safe, well, happy, friendly healthy, prosperous, at rest, or holy. And not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. Which I love because it wants you to be holy at rest, holy, happy, holy, at peace, holy, all of these things, which in that moment, you would think that woman wasn't going to be. Right, but what's cool about her story is that she knows, like, These things that happen are just scenes and they're not the full, whole story. And she sees the whole story, right? That she's figured out like in my low moments, I learned how to trust. In my high moments, I learned how to praise. Like she just knew from, because you get into chapter eight and there's a famine now that comes in the land. And that must've been devastating. And I think she would have said, it is well. And then she actually survives the famine miraculously. And you're like, oh, it is well. And the king of the land wants to hear her story. He invites her in. He says, tell me, I want to know your story. And I think she would say back to her story, it is well. Like all my experiences are creating wholeness in Mm, me. That's what's happening. Okay, the next story is a person that you may have heard of before, and our hero is kind of like a surprise hero in the story. But if you go to 2 Kings chapter 5, it starts with this gentleman whose name is Naaman. Naaman, Naaman. if you're in Israel. Right. So Naaman, in verse 1, you learn about him. He's captain of the host of the king of Syria, a great man with his master, Honorable, because the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, which means victorious, successful in everything that he is doing. A mighty man of valor, you find out. And you know what that means now, because we've been talking about it. And then at the end of that verse one, but he was a leper. And that line I have marked in my scriptures here, because I feel like everybody has that line in their life. Whatever is going really good, and everybody has things that are going good, you know, you're you're this and this and this. Or you may see someone and say like, oh, look at all these things that are going well. Yeah, he's the captain of the host. He's a mighty man of valor. He's honorable. He's good. He's handsome. He's like, but he was a leper. Everybody has that 
but I am, but I have, but I struggle with um, in their life. He is Naaman, but he is every man, <laughs> right? He is all of us. <laughs> We are calling him Naaman for the rest of the story. Okay, but I thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it does make you think, though, that um, he could control the outcome of what happened with the army. He could control um, becoming that mighty man of valor with diligence and dedication and courage and all those things, but you can't really control leprosy. Yeah, there's something everybody has, and it's interesting that leprosy starts on the inside, right? There's something I yeah. can't fix. Yes. I can't control change. this. And they must have been talking about it yeah. in their house. That is what you assume when you read it, because all of a sudden in verse two, we meet this little maid who had been captive, taken captive out of the land of Israel. And she waits on Naaman's wife. That's what happens. And it just makes me think that she must have heard them talking. She must have been worried about it with the family, because in verse three, she says, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And I just love that, like, she cares, that she's, like, part of this conversation, that she's part of the worrying with the household. And, and she's like, how could I help? What could I do to make things better for him? And, and she is going to be our hero right now, because as she listens and as she considers this, finally it says... Um, that she, in verse four, went in and told his Lord, say, one went in and told his Lord saying, thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And I love when it is like, thus and thus yeah. say it the maid, because how many times did she say it? How many times did she worry about it? How many times was she like, oh, I just wish we were in Samaria because I know someone who could fix this. And she brought that knowledge with her out of Israel. She, she just was like, this is what I know. This is what I carry with me and this could fix it. So she's convincing enough that they actually decide to go. They, they pack up and they decide they are going to go see the little maid's prophet in Samaria. And first he goes to the king of Israel, which tells you how desperate that he is. They're in a battle with Israel. Right. And, and is he going to go to the God of his enemy's nation, yeah. you know, for help? And yeah. he sends a letter to the king and the king thinks he's mocking him. He's like, what would he, this is a move, some sort of move in the battle. And he's just like, so finally Elisha kind of hears about it. And, and so he comes to Elisha's home. And it's funny because in verse 10, um, he gets there to the house and Elisha sends out a messenger to him and tells him, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and, and your flesh will become clean. And he's so mad in verse 11. First of all, he's used to the red carpet wherever he goes. And he's used to like people putting him at the front of the line and putting him at the best table and everything. And, and the guy won't even come out. <laughs> he won't even like, he won't even come out of his house. He sends his servant out to go tell him. And he's like, and plus you told me to go wash in the Jordan river. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Jordan River or been to it. It is not a pretty river. It is dirty. And it, it, it's just, and he actually says, my rivers in Syria are better. What about the Farpar and the whatever? I can't yeah. remember the names yes. of the rivers. And he's just like, uh, almost like, do you, does your God have no standards? Yes. <laughs> does he not? Well, <laughs> and if you haven't ever seen the Jordan River, if you by chance live in Utah or have visited Utah mm -hmm. and you have seen the Jordan River here, 
then you've pretty much seen the Jordan River in Israel. Same river. Yeah. The water's the same color. Like, who wants to bathe in there seven right. times? Or think that that could, like, he's like, just at least pick the Mississippi, like some <laughs> grand, great river. And, he, and he's like, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going. And then he has this other little servant. He's picked, he has good servants in 13. He's and, good <laughs> and he says in 13, Father, if that prophet had asked you to do some big, huge, great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Um, so why not then, if he says, wash and be clean, go down and, and do that. And, uh, those words strike him to the heart. And he's just like, um, you're right. You know what? I got caught up in who I was and what I'm used to and, you know, and all the pageantry of being a military leader. And, uh, you're right. You're right. And so he does, he goes and washes in the river. And you love, I remember hearing this story in Israel one time with my feet in the Jordan River, um, considering this story. And my good friend who was teaching it said, it, it tells him, and he went down in verse 14, he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again clean, like a child. And then my friend asked this, which dip was the one that healed him? And just think about that for a minute. Which dip? Like, was it the last one was the one that healed him? Or was it the first one? Or or at which dip was the one that healed him? And as I started thinking about this, it made me start thinking to myself about how important rhythms are. I don't know if you've ever been to the ocean, but I have heard people talk a lot about how just sitting at the ocean heals you. I've experienced it myself. That rhythm of the tide going in and out and in and out there is something healing about rhythms. And I think God knows this is true. We see it here in Naaman's story, how these rhythms, that rhythm of dipping seven times is what would make him whole, right? It was all of them combined that made him whole. And I think about in my life, what are the rhythms? What are the rhythms God has put in place to heal me, to make me whole? And I think about those spiritual rhythms that we participate in, reading scriptures or praying or going to church or um, going to the temple, right? Just one of those by themselves is probably not going to heal me. It's not going to make me whole. It's the rhythm of all of them combined that is going to bring the healing. It's going to bring the wholeness. And I love that that is what we learn from this story. But there's another part that I love that happens at the end of the story because um, he returns to the man of God and he stands before him and he says, now I know there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. This is in verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 5. And he says, please, will you take a blessing from your servant? And he says, I will receive none. And he urges him to take some sort of gift and Elisha won't. And then Naaman says this, okay, well, here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get two, um, two mules burden of earth in verse 17 that I'm going to take back with me where I live from out of Israel. He is going to take this dirt back with him. 
because he says, I will not sacrifice burnt offering or sacrifice unto other gods, but only unto the Lord. And the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to sacrifice on this earth that has come out of Israel. And I think it is so interesting that twice we hear that phrase in this story. Yeah. We hear it the first time with the little maid that she came out of Israel. And then as he leaves to go home, as Naaman goes to leave and go home, um, he says, I will only offer burnt offerings now on this earth that has come out of Israel. And it makes me want to think to myself, what does that look like in us? Um, our testimony of what we know so deeply, that thing that has changed us, that has made us whole, it was true for the little maid, that little tiny girl. Somehow she knew that what comes from my prophet will heal you. It will make you whole. And then Naaman, uh, uh, the captain of the host, the mighty man of valor learned the same lesson. There is something out of Israel that will m make me whole, that will keep me whole. That's the God I want to worship. And I, I love that thought that that is the God we worship, the um, God of Israel. Yeah. is the God that we worship. And do we carry that with us? Because that, in my mind, that is what makes her the hero is it doesn't matter where she is. It doesn't matter who she's with. What is the most important to her is what she took of the God of Israel. Yeah, and I her. love that the phrase is Israel, but the, I like that you're connecting that, the God of Israel to it, because that's what's making the change in these people's lives, Right. That it's interesting that he doesn't come out of the river, Naaman, and say, your God's stronger than my God. But he says, there's actually only one in yes. all the world. His whole worldview is shifted. Everything is now different in yep. his life. Because back then, every nation thought they had a God and which one was stronger. And he's like, that's actually not true anymore. How I've grown up is not true. I have a whole new worldview and world shift. And something's happened in that girl, too, where yes. you know Somewhere beforehand or during this, the God of Israel came into her life because of the way that she responds. The fact that she's a servant to Naaman means that she probably from Israel, taken captive from Israel, means that he, the captain of the host of Syria, somehow snatched her out of her homeland. Yeah. Like her parents could have been killed, her siblings killed mm -hmm. or sold off in slavery. And now she is here as a servant in the enemy's household, right? And who's responsible for it? The very man that she lives with yes. is the one who's responsible for all of this. And so when she sees him as a leper, her response could be, This is what you deserve. Sorry. And hold that mm -hmm. secret inside her. I know where healing is, but I'm actually not going to tell you. Because I am going to actually make you suffer the same way I suffered. But instead, she doesn't. And she takes the burden, she takes that burden upon herself and forgives him at a really, really great cost and gives him a tremendous gift at her cost yeah. that she's going to, to pay. And he's going to be saved because he has a, a suffering servant. And um, she becomes the Christ like figure mm. in this story. For me, yes. who just took the burden of, of that on her in order to give that, that great gift to him. So we love that the little maid represents what do you have of the land of Israel? What is your testimony of the God of Israel? And, and how can you share that 
somewhere. Today. Yeah, yeah. And we just okay. have one more. One more story. It's a really quick one. Oh, and, and we love this story. And it's great. It's in Second Kings chapter six. Another servant. Wait, the servants are winning this chat, this section of of scripture. But um, you get to the spot where the king of Syria. Um, is attacking now Israel. Remember, they're at war with each other. And the king um, camps up his people in these secret places, but Israel always knows where they are. And that's because Elisha is telling the king of Israel all the secrets of war. <laughs> and so he it gets mad at his own army. He's like, who's the snitch? And they're like, it's not any of us. They have a prophet in, in, in Israel and he's telling their king where you are. And then he's like, well, somebody should get him then. He's the reason, so go snuff him out. And so they do. They come and they find out where Elisha is living at the time. And they come and it says in verse 13, he is in Dothan. And so they sent all their horses and all their chariots, a really great host by night, and they circle the city at night. And so he wakes up in the morning um, and the servant wakes up early um, and he goes out, you know, just yawns on the deck and And, everything. And you're sure he's like... We got to get going fast before anyone else figures out where we are. Like he, in his mind, he's like, knows what he's going to do. He's going to pack them up. He's going to get them on their way. No one's going to even know they slept in Dothan. Yeah. But wakes up and they are surrounded by this other army. And he is like, oh my gosh. And in verse 15, his question is so cute. He says, alas, my master, how shall we do? <laughs> he's just like, we are busted. We are like in major trouble here. And his answer is so great. Well, and I want to say this too, before you even go to his answer, which is so good, but I love, like how many times have you been in that place? How many times have you asked that question? How shall we do? Like there's seriously, there is no way out of this. Like this is bigger than we are. And, and sometimes that is filled with like terror, right? Or fear or high anxiety or like, like we can't get out of this. And we don't have time to figure it out. You know, like we're surrounded already. It's not like we got a letter that says in five days we're coming at you or anything like that. It's like, it is imminent. Yeah. It's like you woke up like in the morning and it was there. Right. And it was urgent and problematic and too big right away. You had, you didn't get gently escorted into this problem. Yes. Like it's, it's boom right in front of your face. And he's like, we're doomed. Like, what in the world are we going to do? And here's him and Elisha in the house. Yeah. Two verse everybody. And 16, he says, no worries. <laughs> Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And then don't and you just imagine the servant standing at the window and being like, one, one two, three. Nope, Whoa. you're already wrong. <laughs> He's like, oh, he didn't do, he didn't learn math from Elijah. <laughs> and, and then he must have seen the look on his face where he's like, uh, mathematically, sir. And he says, turns to the Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And they, and they, um, they are saved in the next verse by a miraculous means. Um, but the line, the servant is our hero because he reminds us of this great lesson. The verse that we picked from is at 17. And he saw that what he saw, if, if, if Elisha had said to him earlier, look, what, we, what he would have seen was an enemy army. He's like, that's what I, that's what I see. He's like, what do you see? What do you count? 
And he says, I count the problems. I count the the doom. I count the, the outnumberedness. Yeah. That's Every what... time I read this story, I think to myself, in fact, I've written in my next to verse 15, where is my blindness Yeah. right now? Where is the problem that is so big that I'm blinded by the problem? Actually, I'm blinded Con- by the situation. Yeah, consumed by it. So, and and we don't like we don't dog him for it because we're just like that. Wasn't you're surrounded? You're surrounded. Of yeah. course, that's all that you see. And it's awesome that once this servant of the Lord comes in, says the words of the Lord to him, "Fear not." Um, Open your eyes so that you may see. Lord, open his eyes. And then he chooses to see. He chooses to see the miracle. He chooses to see God in in the story. And for us, that's why we pick him as our fifth hero of of the week, is that he chooses to see. And that's. I think this is such a, um, a powerful principle. For me, particularly because of where it happens, this is not the first time we've seen Dothan in the scriptures. Mm. The first time we see Dothan is when Joseph is thrown into a pit by his brothers. And I think Joseph would have felt surrounded and would have felt doom and would have felt that. And and I wish someone had been there for him at that day to say, open your eyes mm-hmm. because they that be with you are more than they that be with them. Like, this story is going to end up okay, right? I want you to see the angels at work in in this story. And I think that's such a, a powerful lesson that whatever our situation may look like, um, we can offer that same prayer. Lord, give me eyes to see where you are in this. And then learn to really see. Yeah. Um, this morning I received the best text in the world from a friend who lives on the other side of the world, not even by me in Brazil, and um, had heard about some things that were happening in our family this weekend. And at the end of the text, wrote down these words, here come the blessings. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I want someone to say that to me every single day. I want to write it on my fridge. I want to be the one that says, and he saw. Yeah. Um, that m- what if we learned to look for the chariots coming down the mountain? What if we learned to look for the blessings? It doesn't mean we're not going to be surrounded by hard things. That's mortality. That that's just is what's going to happen. But I love that thought of here come the blessings. Yeah, and to those who see, like the like the great woman, you know, who's like I can see God moving and working in this. Therefore, I can say, fear not. Therefore, I can say, all is well. well. Shalom. Yeah. Okay, everybody. We'll see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.